Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a horror anthology podcast by Superversive Radio, with no affiliation with any detective agency, person, real or imagined, or the dark forces of Outre-Terre. It is not intended for children. The hours after Stuart stabbed me were spent in a haze of pain and confusion as I drifted in and out of consciousness, my body apparently using that as a defense mechanism to cover up the pain in my left eye. I was dimly aware of several things happening. I felt myself being carried out of the woods. When I came to again, I was surrounded by men in Continental Army uniforms, camped out in tents. Some indeterminate amount of time later, I realized I was lying down and covered in blankets. Look, I'm telling all of you this very matter-of-factly, and that's easy in retrospect. But I want to get across at least a little bit of what it felt like at the time. I had a splitting headache, and my memory of what had happened to my left eye drifted vaguely in and out as I gained and lost consciousness. By the time I had fully woken up in the tent, the pain had faded to a dull throb, and I could feel the bandage over my eye. I expected to be surrounded by soldiers when I woke up, but I was surprised. There were only two men in front of me. One was Private Roberts, the man who intervened in my fight with Stuart. He was a young-looking, brown-haired fellow with stubble on his chin and green eyes. He had a serious expression on his face, but there was a brightness and confidence there that made me think one day he would go places, if he hadn't already. How high a rank was private in this army, anyway? I had no idea. Next to him was... Well... I'm just going to say it. It was George Washington. He wasn't dressed to the nines, he looked tired and worn, and he wasn't wearing the fancy wig thing we know him for on the dollar bill. His hair was light brown and a little disheveled. He was younger than I knew him for, but honest to God, it was impossible to mistake him for anyone else. I suspect I would have realized it was George Washington, even if I wasn't trapped back in time. To someone who lived in America, surrounded by the romanticism and legend of Washington, being in front of the real deal was both incredibly surreal, but also weirdly familiar. My head was still groggy from the throbbing pain, but the gravity of the situation still got through to me in a flash, and I sat up suddenly. Roberts gave a cry of delight. You're alive! I was worried the wound would carry the day for a moment. I tried hard to focus. Never mind that. How long was I out? This time, Washington spoke. Almost exactly 24 hours, Sean Russo. We need to talk. My name is General George Washington. So he knew my name. I started to talk, but Washington raised his hand. Let me speak first, and then you can have your say. We looked through your belongings and found this. He held up my wallet. Inside was what appeared to be some sort of currency with my face on it. The country is identified as the United States of America. You carry a card with a strange likeness of your own face, an inscription claiming you hail from NJ, which I will hazard means New Jersey. There are inscriptions of dates that won't occur for 
hundreds of years inscribed on your card and your currency, your clothes are made of materials I don't recognize, and your weapon is strange. Washington leaned in at me from the stool he was sitting on. I don't understand what's happening, but Private Roberts says you saved his life. So I'm giving you an opportunity. Tell me what's happening, the whole truth. I believe Providence has placed you here, but I cannot read the mind of God. I need you to help illuminate the path forward. He leaned back again. Right now I limited the meeting to you, me, and Private Roberts. Other guards are waiting outside of this tent, of course. I asked the private to be here because he shared the most details about your encounter with Stuart and was very insistent you saved his life. So thank the private for this opportunity you're getting to speak. <laughs> Way to be put on the spot. I had just woken up, I was in pain, and somehow, ridiculously, I was in a private meeting with George Washington and potentially the fate of the American Revolution rode on what I said here. <laughs> no pressure. I closed my eyes, well, my one good eye, to try and focus on the task at hand. What should I say? How should I say it? It suddenly occurred to me I was doing this while sitting on a bed wrapped in blankets. It felt absurd, but I cleared my throat. General, I'm a member of a... A secret organization. Think, Sean, think. There must be a way to explain yourself in a way that they'll accept. It's my job to... to... hunt witches. Roberts and Washington looked at each other, but the expression on Washington's face didn't change. Go on. I'm originally from the year 2021. But my organization asked me to investigate. There was some some sort of magic being performed at a certain spot in New Jersey, and I was asked to stop it. I discovered a man using black magic. Robert snorted. An oxymoron, that. I held back a grin. Well, yes, well, he was using black magic to try and go into the past and alter history. Some sort of spell involving a watch. Washington nodded. Private Roberts reported that the man you fought was holding a pocket watch. He was dressed in the uniform of a Hessian soldier. But you are telling me he comes from your time. He does, and he's on the side of the British. Do you know what he was doing? I hesitated. This was the make-or-break moment. Roberts gave me an encouraging nod. You are planning to cross the Delaware into New Jersey on December 25th, then attack a Hessian outpost after linking up with the rest of the armies located in New Jersey. Robert's jaw dropped almost comically at this. Washington, I could tell, was also surprised, but he kept his reaction more dignified. It was Roberts who spoke. How did you know about that attack? That's private information. I looked Roberts in the eye as I spoke. In the year 2021, the attack on the Hessians is taught to schoolchildren. Everyone knows about it. I turned to Washington, who still looked calm. Including the man who came here, Brian Stewart. He's... He's... What was Stewart, anyway? I didn't really know, but I knew what he wanted to do. 
He's a British sympathizer, and he's trying to stop the attack. Roberts had been solidly, if subtly, in my corner this whole time, but he didn't address me and turned to Washington. Sir, Russo saved my life, but this is insane. Can you really believe it? Washington looked at Roberts and looked at me. My heart pounded. Private Roberts, please leave the tent. I need to speak with Russo alone. We have his weapons, there is no danger. Remember, you do not breathe a word of this. If people ask who this is, tell them it's a British deserter I'm speaking to, but say nothing unless you have to. Robert swallowed, then nodded. He turned to me. I owe you my life, Sean Russo. I don't think I fully understand what's happening, but I know that much. God bless you. He left the tent. Now I was alone with Washington. As soon as Roberts left the tent, he stood and started pacing back and forth. I waited for him to talk to me. How much do you know about our plans, Russo? What's today's date? December 22nd. Okay, by tomorrow your army is going to be at the bank of the Delaware River, preparing for your march into Trenton. The goal is going to be to coordinate with two other armies but that's going to be difficult because of the weather and how complex the plan is, and if you have to go over alone, you will. Luckily, I had just been to Washington's Crossing State Park, so all this information was fresh in my mind. That is grave news. Our chance of victory drops significantly, if you're correct. I sat up straighter. For the first time, I noticed how cold it really was and appreciated the blanket wrapped around me. General, sir. We need to move to stop Stewart. We need to move right now. It's absolutely critical. Washington stopped his pacing and sat down again across from me. Let me be honest with you. I don't know if I believe you. I am trying to see the hand of the Lord in this, but his designs are... clouded from me. He sighed. You show me a vision of a future where our work has led to fruition, but it is difficult for me to trust. The attack on Trenton is critical indeed. Tomorrow I plan to read Thomas Paine to the men, in the hope they find his words as inspiring as I have. But the struggle is... difficult. He looked me in the eye, and for the first time I didn't see George Washington, father of our country, but George Washington, a desperate man searching for some sort of sign. I don't understand what my face is doing on your money. I don't understand why you carry a card with your likeness on it. But perhaps you can help me with this. The people, the war, in your time, what has the country founded by this war become? Do people honor our cause in your day? Do we try and serve the will of God? I opened my mouth, but no words came out. How was I supposed to answer a question like that? I, I struggled to find the words. General, to be honest, wait. Washington held up his hand. Some of the fire had gone back in his eyes. The question was foolish and faithless. Our fight is driven by providence, the outcome in his hands. This satisfies me. I shall not ask you about the rest of the war. I do not think that would be in keeping with faith in the Almighty who guides me. I nodded. It was the right answer. Washington stood up. Can you stand? The wound in your eye was bad, but it does not appear it will be fatal. I stood, dropping the blanket to the ground. I was woozy for a moment, and the cold hit me, but I looked him in the eye. I'll be fine. 
That's fortunate. Here is the plan. The attack on Trenton must proceed as planned. And if I must be the only man to march, so be it. A victory at this time is crucial. This man, Stuart, you said his plan was to go to Trenton and warn the Hessians of my arrival. Yes. Then we shall have to chase him down. Washington stuck his head outside. Private Roberts! Roberts stepped in. Sir? I have a special mission for you. It must be absolutely secret. You and Rusa will be traveling together to try and track down this British spy, Stuart, before he can reach Trenton and warn the Hessians of our arrival. You leave now. Tell nobody of this. If you are asked, you're delivering a message on my orders. Yes, sir. Before we left, Washington handed my gun back to me and gave me clothes to change into more suitable for the winter chill. He hesitated before handing over the gun. You realize that if you were to strike at me here, you would die. Yes. He handed me the gun. You have my trust on the testimony of Roberts, who I knew to be a worthy man, and one who can take care of himself. It was dark out when we left, and there was some embarrassment when I was forced to explain that I was not, in fact, an experienced horseman. After some confusion and consternation, it was decided Roberts and I would share a horse, and I saddled up behind him. Since I knew Stuart knew the history of the area, we had a rough idea of where he would be heading. Once he got his bearings in the forest area we had fought in, his goal would be to find his way to the Delaware River, then cross into New Jersey. And yes, as it had turned out, we had ended up in Pennsylvania, and only a few days and a few miles off. It could have been worse, I suppose. There were points in our favor and points in Stuart's favor. He didn't have a horse, and he didn't know where he was starting from or what the date was but he had a full day's advantage to move. Luckily, I and Washington's camp had a pretty decent idea of where we were going, because I knew Stuart had studied troop movements. He could hardly navigate through the forest, probably try to make his way to some sort of historic route and travel that way. So we traveled in the same direction Washington's army intended to move in the morning. As we rode, Roberts talked to me cheerfully, which was somewhat difficult to hear over the galloping hooves of the horse, but I caught a decent amount. I knew you were a good sort. Good show, convincing the general. Are you really from the year 2021, though? I was focused on balancing on the horse and wasn't particularly open to long conversations. Yes, and thank you for sticking up for me. I'm not blind, sir. You saved my life clear as day, and I repay my debts, make no mistake. When we first heard of the fighting in the forest, a whole search party went out looking for you, but I was the man who actually stumbled upon you. So you're from a witch-hunting society. Er, sort of? We fight lots of things. I didn't expect to be here. Huh, I could see that. You aren't exactly prepared. But tell me, you said earlier, do we really win the war? I wasn't sure how much detail to give, but Roberts was at the meeting with Washington, so I decided not to lie. Y you do, yes, though the Battle of Trenton is an important part of it. Roberts laughed heartily. I was impressed by his cheerfulness considering the dire circumstances of his army and the grim importance of our mission. Amazing! I tell you, I never would have thought it. This is great news, you know. I joined this army to create a better life for my family, and I don't trust those Brits to make no mistake. I was focused on the cold and balancing on the horse, so my responses were short and perfunctory. I didn't have time to feel bad about it. Roberts was, if I'm being honest, a bit of a chatterbox. 
He was a New Jersey native from Sussex County with a recently pregnant wife. He was quite proud of being a private, which I learned was apparently the lowest rank outside of militiamen in the Continental Army, but a rank nonetheless, and he seemed to hold a hero worship for the general. He was not normally close to Washington, who had his own aide-de-camp after all, but seemed thrilled to have the opportunity to interact with him more closely, brief though it was. He did ask me about Stuart, and I was able to give him a description as we rode through. At one point, we managed to apparently end up on his tail. Apparently, Roberts was a somewhat experienced tracker, and he could tell a lone man had been moving along the same paths we were on now. He pointed out the marks to me. This was good news. Stuart was apparently unable to get a horse. Still, we couldn't have much time. I wished it was a little bit lighter so I could see my state more clearly. Who else would ever get the chance to look at their home through the eyes of someone from the Revolution? But no, I realized. This was wrong. This was very, very wrong. I was not supposed to be here. I felt it in the very fiber of my being. This was a crime against nature. I was reflecting on this when Roberts asked me the question I was dreading. So, uh, after we handle Stuart, what happens to you? I felt a chill creep up my spine, and not from the cold of the winter night. I think I'll go back to my own time, though I don't really know what that will look like. This man, Stuart, he's the one who cast the spell, right? Do you need him alive? The million-dollar question right there. I don't know. But the mission is to stop him from warning the Hessians. Whatever it takes. Robert didn't respond to that. We were not far out from Trenton. I didn't have a watch, so I couldn't keep exact time, but it was maybe a two- to three-hour ride. Remember, we were two people on a horse, not a full marching army, and Washington was not far out. We made our way into the city of Trenton. We went through back roads, but I actually knew where we were going, though Roberts didn't, and after some adjustment for the older layout, I was able to help guide Roberts forward carefully. We were heading for the headquarters of the Hessian colonel and the head of the Trenton garrison, Johann Rahl. The house was known as the Stacy Potts House, and I'd actually been there. Or rather, I had been where it stood. By 2021, it had long since been replaced by a cathedral, the Church of St. Mary's. In 1776, however, it was the Stacy Potts House. We rode through slowly, forgoing galloping. We still hadn't seen Stewart, but we knew he was making his way here thanks to the excellent tracking of Roberts. I started praying silently, hoping we would catch a glimpse of Stewart before he reached the house. This was a hard sell. The moon was out and almost full, which gave us some light to work with, but we dared not use any other lights lest we be spotted and captured as spies. After hours, our eyes had adjusted, but it was still hard to see any sort of distance. We were a few hundred yards from the Potts house, our horse hidden a bit further back so we could move more stealthily. I hated that I couldn't do more than this, but we kept watch, waiting for Roberts to show up and praying he hadn't already. We hid behind bushes some distance out to watch the house. What other choice did we have? We watched with bated breath, neither one of us wanting to admit what seemed more likely the more time passed, that Stuart had beaten us here, and we were too late. Then there was noise. In the distance, two men were walking. I strained to listen, and I noticed Robert's tense up next to me. They were speaking in German. I don't speak German, but one thing was clear. One of the men was definitely Stuart. 
The strong British accent was unmistakable. I tapped Roberts on the shoulder and nodded. He leaned in and whispered, barely audible, What do we do? Great question. I realized I had no clue. We only had seconds to make a decision. What could I do? As if in slow motion, my mind worked out the implications of the actions I could take. What would happen if I stood up and tried to kill Stewart right now? Say I succeeded. Roberts and I would both be caught. Then what? Well, we'd be assumed to be spies for Washington. Would it be enough for them to suspect the coming attack on Trenton? Uh, maybe? But maybe not. This was critical mass right now. Do or die. Me ever getting back home would not, could not be a consideration. Crazy as it sounded, this is what you sign up for when you join the Pinkertons. Not this insane scenario specifically, but you know that you might need to sacrifice yourself. I said a quick prayer and thought briefly of Violet, but raised my gun. I missed the shot, but I took it. Considering the distance and the darkness and my eye, I still think it was a good try. My small handgun was quieter than what they used in that era, but it still split the night air. The Hessian escorting Stewart yelled something incomprehensible and turned in our direction. When Stewart saw me, I saw his jaw drop in utter disbelief, then turned to anger. You! He drew his own gun. This is actually what I was hoping for. Every second he tries to deal with the two of us, the second he isn't dealing with the Hessian command. Suddenly, a miniature two-person battle had broken out in the street, with two men from the future facing off against two men of the past. I knew this was it. We had seconds before the entire city was outside, and Roberts and I were captured. Our horse was a few hundred yards away. Stewart was dressed like a Hessian, which gave me an idea. I shouted, We've been caught, Stewart! We've been caught! I barely knew what I was saying, and also had no clue if this Hessian spoke English, but this was my best chance to get out of this, weirdly enough. I was in luck. The Hessian stiffened, then said in a thick German accent to Stuart, Caught? What does he mean? Are you a spy? Was he trying to kill me? Roberts had caught on to what I was doing. Uh, we need to get out of here. Come with me. Stuart glared at me with hatred. We were all much closer to each other now. It won't work. I'm telling them about the attack. No, they won't believe you. They know we're spies, said Roberts quickly. But Stewart had drawn his gun. Things were starting to get wild. The Hessian next to Stewart turned on him suddenly and barked something at Stewart in German, and men started running out of the homes to take a look at the scene in the middle of the city. Stewart ignored the Hessian and tried to take a shot, but was knocked out with a sudden blow over the top of the head made by the Hessian. Things were starting to spiral. I looked next to me for Roberts, but found him suddenly missing. I started yelling desperately. Private! Private! I didn't want to shoot at the Hessian again, draw the fire of the soldiers who were leaving their sleeping quarters around the city, and besides, the Hessian had his gun drawn on me. I had no clue where Roberts had disappeared to. He started to slowly raise my hands in surrender figuring that perhaps I could think of something to say after being captured. That's when I heard the galloping of hooves in the background. It was Roberts on his horse, and amazingly there was something lit on fire he was holding at the tip of his bayonet. I watched in morbid fascination. Roberts yelled out, Check this out, you German bastards! And with a swift motion, launched the flames at the tip of his bayonet at a nearby home. He must have ripped off a piece of his jacket and set it on fire. 
The homes, being primarily made of wood, caught fire quickly. By now, more and more soldiers had left their houses to see what was going on. The Hessian yelled in panic and ran towards the flames as Roberts galloped towards me. I guess that's one way to get a distraction. I grinned at him as he got closer. Roberts, you're a genius. Now we're square. Let's get out of here. Luckily for us, Stuart was still out. That Hessian must have really rattled his brain. He was alive, though, and moaning miserably. We did the best we could to heave him up while I tried to awkwardly hold him onto the horse. The poor horse was a trooper for carrying three people, and I'd have liked to at least tie Stuart on. We had little choice as shots started ringing around us. With a sudden kick, we were galloping off. That midnight, it was at least midnight, perhaps later, ride was one I'll never forget. I gripped desperately onto Robert's back with one hand and scrambled to hold onto Stuart with another. The horse seemed to know the desperate circumstances and booked it out of the town as fast as he could. I heard the yelling of the Germans and could see as we flew by the faces of confused townspeople as they watched us flee to the sound of the gunfire surrounding us. At one point, I felt something singe me across the shoulder like the sudden slash of a knife and realized a bullet grazed me, but there was little blood and I could move my arm, so I ignored it. The fearful panting of the horse, Robert's occasional yells of command, and the pounding of the hooves came my personal soundtrack. I felt like a useless lump. The only thing I could do was hold on to Stuart. My life was entirely in Robert's hands. But what capable hands they were! It felt like hours, but was probably only moments, but suddenly we were out of the city. The gunfire had stopped and we were back on the back roads of the country. The sky was slowly brightening as the night reached its end, but it was still hours before dawn. It wasn't until I saw Washington's camp that I realized we had made it. We were alive. <sighs> Strange as it sounds. There isn't actually a lot to tell after this. After we debriefed Washington on what had happened, he commended our valor and decided to commence with the attack. Our little spat with the Hessians was somewhat worrisome. What if it alerted them to the coming attack? But Washington's hope is that our ruse, that we, along with Stuart, were spies trying to give false information about the attack, would be bought. Besides, he said, he had his own plans on that score, though the general didn't elaborate on what he meant by that. It was universally agreed by all that we time travelers should interact with the world as little as possible, and we stayed under guard at a house near Washington's camp for the next couple of days while Washington and the army marched on. I told the general that we'd be returning to our own time on December 26th, and this satisfied him. At any rate, he couldn't do anything about it. Roberts was going to be one of our guards, but being a real patriot, he begged to go to the battle. Washington agreed, so I didn't know the soldiers who guarded our little house. As for Stuart, well, he was at least smart enough to know the game was up. He had taken to refusing to talk. The only time he answered any of Washington's questions, he answered him in German, and nobody knew what he said. Though I prodded at him, he absolutely refused to say a word to me, instead staring in a stony silence, though with such a poisonous look of hatred on his face, it almost made me shudder. And so on December 26th, just as Stuart had promised, we were both transported back to our own time. Stuart was handcuffed, of course... But here, control is where I made a mistake. A big one. Okay, like before, Seward started glowing green, and, gun trained on him, 
I gripped his shoulder as we went to the incorporeal timeless zone, losing track of my senses. Almost. I say almost because before I was completely... I don't know the word, dematerialized? Stuart viciously kicked me in the shin, with a sudden and unexpected savagery he hadn't shown since his capture. Though I went immaterial like last time, my hand slipped, and as we went back to our current time, I lost track of Stuart. To my horror, I ended up in a random spot at the Washington Crossing State Park. It was night, and the park was closed, and nobody was around. I sprinted over to the Johnson Ferry House, but no luck. Stuart was completely gone. When I checked my phone for the time, I saw with relief that I'd only been gone a few extra hours, though I missed about 20 calls from Violet asking for me. But I had no clue where Stuart went. Sorry, Control, for the loose end. The good news is, the Battle of Trenton went as planned. At least we avoided the immediate issue, but I hate the thought of Stuart out there. I looked up Thaddeus Roberts, though it took some doing. As it turns out, he died less than two weeks after we met in the Battle of Princeton. His wife had a son. The Roberts family line, to my understanding, lives on, though in the Midwest nowadays. He'd be happy to hear that, at least. Control, I can't help but think of Washington's question. The end of all of this. Do we try and serve the will of God? Was all of it even worth it? What was the point of America? I hope it was. Once. Sean Russo, signing off. For now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio. Licensed under an attribution non-commercial, share-alike international license. This episode was written by Anthony Marchetta and is performed by the same. Ben Wheeler edits, directs, produces, and herds cats. Kim Dickerson performs our audio editing. Visit us on Facebook, read articles on SuperversiveSF.com, or listen to us on unauthorized Acast iTunes, or Spotify. Contact us through Twitter at, at Pinkerton's Ghosts, email us at pinkertonsghosts at gmail.com, or send us noble messenger possums with messages strapped to their backs. Don't worry, they know how to find us. Thank you for listening, and good luck.